Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the second part of our interview with Stefan M. Ciesla, co-founder at IORA, and Gordon McKenzie, CTO and co-founder at IORA, indulging in discussions related to IORA, how it functions, and how it is different from other existing solutions. Stefan brings his expertise from his previous roles at FIG Corporate Finance and as Chief of Staff at Bankable, while Gordon McKenzie has a background as a clinical entrepreneur and at NHS England. Together, they bring a very interesting blend of knowledge around capital management and technology. Our conversation with them was truly captivating and we are excited to share it with you. In the episode of today, expect to learn what does IOTA do, what is the solution that they bring to life, how is it different from existing solutions, how does it work technically, how do they connect to ERPs, TMS, and payment hubs of different companies? What is the predictive model that they use? And much, much more. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast app. Your support means the world to us and helps the podcast thrive. And of course, help other people discover the podcast and learn more about corporate treasury. Last but not least, we started the AI Treasury Insight Newsletter, a bi-weekly three to five minutes read that covers what is happening in AI in Treasury and how this technology will change the way we do corporate treasury. Follow the link in the description or simply type in your browser corporate-treasury-101.com slash newsletter. With all that being said, please welcome Stefan and Gordon Bring us on to, to yourselves, please. Tell us about Iora as, as a company. What do you guys, I mean, we talked a lot about working capital management today. I touched on automation and, and AI even. What do you guys do at Iora in all of this? Yeah, thanks for, thanks for asking. The way we like to describe ourselves is, is uh, we're building a new and intelligent toolkit to help CFOs and treasurers to manage the balance sheets and even better than they do now. And I think, um, you know, it's a bit of a mouthful, but really what, what we're trying to convey is that we are building a platform that seeks to understand the company's balance sheet profile and then is able to kind of provide like contextualized feedback um, back to users to essentially help them improve their cash operations. And this, this includes both, you know, the liquidity side of this equation, so the cash that you already have on hand, but also working capital side, which is the cash um, that's kind of in, in the pipeline, if you like. And, um, we, we kind of started off with building a liquidity platform. That platform helps companies make the most of the cash they already have. And now we, now we're looking to kind of broaden that tool to also support cash conversion, but ultimately it's, it just comes back to kind of helping people gain this much more contextualized visibility as to what's happening with them, cash flow. Okay, so super clear, Stefan. Thanks a lot for this. How can you walk us through how it is actually different from the existing solutions and maybe linking back to what we said earlier, right? What is out there today helping corporate treasurers and CFOs already? Uh, how do you guys at IOTA make something that will help them in a different way and normally in a better way? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I think there are a couple of like important differences between how we approach this and, and many others. So firstly, we, 
we're like, we are really kind of pretty relentlessly focused on making everything we do actionable. You know, what we find is that there are many solutions to actually really good at of summarizing and displaying like large data sets and helping people kind of get like a, almost like a bird's eye view of, of the situation. And we want to take it a step further. So, you know, we, we actually want to like build tools that help people to actually just infer the best course of action based on the data that our platform sees. So it becomes less of a reporting tool and, and more of a, almost like a, like a quasi, quasi, you know, programmatic advisory tool that helps you manage your finances kind of on the fly. And this comes back to the point that, you know, you made earlier, which is that a lot of these processes kind of happen like minute by minute, day by day. People often look at it from a kind of point in the time perspective, which, which makes perfect sense. But at the same time, you know, we think that today, um, you can do even more and you don't have to keep looking at something to, to make sure that it's you maximize every opportunity to create value. And secondly, the, the kind of distinction that, that we see between ourselves and many other solutions is that we are kind of big, big fans of, let's say, embedded finance as a, as a theme. And when I say embedded finance, I just go back to <clears throat> things like embedding payment functionalities in, in apps. It's actually more about the idea of finding the user, <coughs> sorry, in the environments in which they already reside. So to give you an example, do you, in order to manage your balance sheet, do you always have to look back into an application like a TMS or, you know, is it more appropriate that some of these functionalities are delivered to you somewhere else? And, you know, people spend a lot of times in tools like email, Microsoft Teams, you name it. And frankly, we believe that a lot of this information that our platform and ingest and then produce back and help interpret, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to live just in, in, in our application. Oh, you touched a, a really interesting point here on the fact that treasury analysts and above are not only looking at reporting anymore, right? But this whole real-time visibility, real-time access doesn't need to be just for the sake of it, right? It's to allow better um, and strategic decision making. So that's that's a that's a really good point. How going back to working capital management in particular, how will that help them? Um, the IRA solution. How will that help the treasury professionals directly in the management of their working cap? Yeah. So I think <clears throat> I think you're right. You know, it's the world is kind of getting more and more real time. If you like the the, the downside of that is that. We suddenly have to make a lot of decisions very quickly because because you see things changing all the time. Try to think on how that impacts people who work in these fields. You know, they're frankly under like ever increasing cognitive pressure. You know, and we, we see this through conversations with with people we have ourselves. You know, there are actually quite interesting research pieces out there which which try to kind of measure the, the impact of data availability on how people make decisions and, you know, to what extent does kind of data overload, um, might lead to actual adverse outcomes if, if it isn't being helped in a certain way, because at the end of the day, you know, if the more you know, it doesn't mean that you always want to make a better decision. And there's probably a limit as to how much time, not only you can devote to something, but also there's a limit as to how much time it makes sense to devote to a certain 
decision because you know there's always a trade-off between your own time um, and and other things that you might be looking at instead of sort of that specific thing. So I think you know in our case, being able to interpret vast amounts of data that keeps moving past and fishing out patterns, which we can then present back to people in a digestible way and you know suggest to them what kind of action might be necessary based on this new information is is very helpful because it kind of turns the tables around and our system almost becomes proactive as opposed to being reactive the way that many applications in the past have been designed. And then secondly, I think and this is kind of related as well, is you know, in the past a lot of especially in the context of working capital, a lot of time was spent by decision makers on kind of interacting with with these process teams on the ground. And that you know, to to a large extent this is this is good because it fosters collaboration. But at the same time, if the kind of intensity of these interactions can increase because there's more information, it's more readily accessible, you know, can we help kind of provide like a bit of a bridge between those two worlds and help essentially, you know, make sure that the processes are managed in a way that ultimately maximizes value. Super clear. Could you, we love to diving into the details and the technical details of, of these kind of things. Could you take us through like how your platform is able to, well, maybe this is a good way to put it. Could you start with like the traditional way, uh, TMS or our treasury working capital system is integrated and how your solution is integrated to enable the more, not only real-time access, but also the insights access. Is it like cloud-based? Is it onboard? Like, how does it work? probably useful just to start with how these systems have evolved over time. So when treasury management systems first came about at any kind of um, significant stage, I mean, let's say 20 years ago, there'd been very much kind of desktop systems that you had to install, but like all of the software around that time, you, you would have required a direct connection with uh, a bank that you'd have to establish uh, between uh, you as a TMS company and the bank. And that we've probably not even used modern um, communication standards. What we're talking about there are things like uh, REST, for example, that's representational, representational state transfer, which is a modern way of communicating between systems. They would have probably been very clunky using very old-fashioned you know, protocols. Um, one example is Edifact, hardly anyone uses anymore, but there are still some legacy systems that use these really old-school ways of talking to each other. That's how it would have started. And over the years, some companies, some big companies, some big TMS systems, um, like um, Kirba, for example, they, they've built hundreds of these direct connections with different banks, which made them very powerful in the sense that they can di- you know, directly connect to multiple banks uh, in multiple jurisdictions. However, you know, in, in, say 2018, this started to change whereby um, open banking came along and that's been rolling out ever since, whereby that was... It, it started to become necessary to create those direct connections. You could actually use a single gateway, and which all, all works around REST principles, and so systems communicating in a, in a modern way. And that, that enables companies like us to not have to come along and create uh, 500 direct bank connections. Uh, we can then use, um, connect to many banks uh, using open banking. 
there still may be a need for direct connections in certain jurisdictions that aren't well covered by open banking or in, cert pro, in certain corporate cases that haven't quite gone to open banking yet. But it greatly reduces the the entry point to um, connect to banks. So yeah, in summary, that's that we, we use open banking as our first method to connect. And then we can use direct bank connections because it's just all works around this REST principle and that's well understood and, and quite easy to integrate now. And um, yeah, that's how we do it. How many APIs have you had to make to enable us? Exactly. Or is it something that is quite straightforward to do? Because I mean, even if you are in linked into your open banking systems, you have to, there's lots of different parts of open banking as well, right? It's not just like you, you log in and you're in this stream of data that's freely roaming around, right? Yeah, that's right. It's a good question. So worth mentioning that when, when open banking came along, it initially was just a cleaner way of essentially banking systems to communicate. But what happened was companies started um, coming up that were essentially providing a single gateway to access the whole of open banking or as much as possible. And um, players there are, are players like Played, Klarna Cosma, in the UK there's Yappily, uh, and many others, Tink, which was acquired by Visa. Um, and um, so what they do is they make it easy. You only have to talk to one API, uh, essentially. Um, so we use um, Played and Klarna Cosma. We use Klarna Cosma for access to uh, UK, EU, single market. We use Played for access to the US, uh, open banking. So yeah, that's only two APIs that we need to uh, use to actually get our open banking connectivity. So you can imagine that's a much better starting point than 500 direct bank connections. And so, yeah, that, that's our kind of basis. Britt, could you break that down for us just a little bit more than Gordon? So as a, ven as a uh, user of a platform like Iora, right, if I'm sitting in a treasury department, you are connected to this open banking protocol, which is able to connect to all the external bank partners, other providers. Maybe there's some FX in there. Maybe there's some hedging, et cetera, et cetera. How do you then connect to my internal processes, like my ERP, my EMS, if I already have one that's perhaps sitting parallel to yours or, or something like this? Do I log into a portal and then it's just connected or, or how does that work? Yeah, so... ERP systems follow a similar setup. So a lot of modern ERP systems also use these REST principles and therefore they have their own APIs. Uh, they often, they sometimes uh, have a whole suite of developer tools and um, developer documentation, even sandboxes uh, to enable developers to integrate systems. And these developers could be internal developers at a given company or they could be uh, technology companies like us. And so what we can do is we can basically follow this documentation and use their uh, tools. But you just it's worth just mentioning, people might hear this term, it's useful to know. Um, uh, we often call these SDKs, software developer uh, kits, uh, which is basically just a way of easily connecting to a system which under the hood uses an API through REST. It just makes it even simpler uh, for a developer to plug into this. So we use these SDKs if they're available. And um, essentially, we can uh, make a secure connection to some uh, to some kind of system, ERP system, for example, whereby the uh, company, if they want to connect their ERP system, all they have to do is provide a set of credentials, which is normally like a client ID and a client secret. And that allows them to do a, a secure handshake 
And once that handshake is completed, um, they're then given a kind of key, if you like, a token uh, that they can use. And that token uh, will enable them to access the system and whatever data they've given permission for us to access. So that might be their ledger entries, for example. It might be transaction history within the, the ERP system, etc. So that's how we do it, basically. It's all using these principles of APIs under the hood. And just to not scare off our treasury friends uh, overall, this all happens automatically, right? Like your system is automatically talking to this other system. It's not the person needs to know what a token is and what a secure handshake is. And they have to remember another set of credentials, which is called a client ID, which is separate to their user. And this is all like automatically done when they first start boot up the system and that's it, right? That's right. Actually, they'd probably have very little to do this. I, we would just liaise directly with their kind of um, system administrator. So m- most of the companies we do will have a kind of dedicated person who knows this well and is happy to do all this. So yeah, from the kind of treasurer and user point of view, they won't really see any of this. This will just be part of a brief onboarding process whereby we just can make these connections. And then from their perspective, we just want them to be able to see um, their data and be able to work with their data, be able to link their data. I link banking data with ERP system data with, uh, you know, an existing TMS system data, um, et cetera. So yeah, from that point of view, don't worry, there'd be really nothing for them to do. Our whole thing is to make it as simple as possible and to, uh, if anything, make sure that complexity is, is like buried where it should be. And, um, and, and the end user can just do what needs to do. Is there like a prerequisite level of system that a potential company that wants to integrate your system needs to have? Because, I mean, with the number of treasures, Kima and I have spoken to group treasures, treasury assist, um, system treasures, etc. Um, off, off record and on record, there's some horror stories out there about like how archaic some systems really are and um, the word Excel getting thrown around a little too loosely uh, at times as well. Like, do you, is, there's like a minimum, I guess, that their system needs to be pre-automated before you add value on top, right? Um, well, actually, we kind of target companies that don't actually have a TMS already. Um, if companies already have a uh, you know significant TMS product, then that's really good. They're, they're probably doing everything they need to be doing. Whereas we actually like to speak to companies that don't have an existing solution and therefore are still using Excel to manage their cash flow, uh, the cash visibility, who are having trouble getting their ERP system data to marry up with their um, bank transaction data. That's exactly who we would like to speak to because we can probably solve significant pain there. Essentially, this is quite a manual process in Excel um, and can be very tedious and prone to error. And therefore, actually, the less automation you already have, the more we can probably help. Super interesting. And so, but then tell me about the the system that Stefan mentioned earlier around the insights that you're also doing. So you're not just doing the... Um, the real-time connectivity, et cetera, that I guess any ERP or any TMS out there could probably start to provide. Um, you guys are also like giving this sort of assistance tool, predictive or, or um, 
I think the word that you used was insights, right? How does that work? What does that do exactly? Yeah, that's right. So, um, the, yeah, what we've just talked about, little connecting systems, is kind of the starting point. Just to, you know, you need that to, so it's like the minimum layer you need to start to give some value. And then we want to try and give more value by offering some, uh, what, what would we like to call it, actual insights. So we, we could tell people that the balance is getting low. And, and that's it. That is a useful alert sometimes. But most of the time, people kind of on top of this anyway. So what we like to tell people about, is that part of our actual insights is opportunities for them to save money, opportunity for them to uh, make more money from their money. And so that's what we're looking for. So actual insights would be that we've noticed that there is excess liquidity parked in one of your accounts. Let's say you have 20 bank accounts and we've now got them all under one roof. We can see exactly where all the money is. Perhaps a few of those accounts are like like trading accounts and, and there's money coming in and out. And perhaps some of them are more kind of holding accounts whereby um, money's being essentially stored there. And what companies can end up with is a, a kind of significant pool of capital. And they might not always know it exactly because they don't have absolute crystal clear clarity over their cash visibility and their forecasting because they're not really sure where it is and they need to contact five different people and log into 20 different systems to work that out. So all of a sudden, they may be in a situation whereby they can actually reinvest this excess liquidity um, into money market funds, uh, which are offering very attractive rates right now. It may be that we can work out if there's opportunities to renegotiate with their suppliers in terms of payment terms. And it may be that we can identify that they have significant currency exposure and therefore looking at hedging would be a good idea. So these are the kind of actual insights that we like to offer. Uh, and that comes from analyzing the data once it's all been integrated, centralized. Yeah, that's that's the basis of what we do. And that's an automated system. So, I mean, these are the kind of insights a treasurer would be looking at the data, hopefully, and pulling out, right? That you would have a treasury analyst looking at, eventually, you're like, hey, by the way, we could pull all of our cash into this fund. Instead of uh, borrowing money in this region or at this in this legal entity that we have, we can just pull cash over from another one and then save cost of borrowing or something like this. But the idea is to really automate these insights. So it's kind of like, what's this tool that, I think it's like these like editor tools. I don't know if everyone's ever used them, like Hemingway and stuff like this. Like you put in the text and then it kind of says, oh, you could do this better and this is a bit complicated and just a bunch of things pop up and go, hey, um, you should you know replace this with a noun or, or whatever like this, right? It really like is able to analyze same way a human does or yeah we're, as access to more data exactly yeah it's kind of a bit like it, we sometimes use the analogy of a co-pilot i mean there's as a software engineer we have a lot of tools now that help us with this for example i think popular one right now is github co-pilot which is essentially it plugs into your development environment so the place where you're writing code and you can kind of just talk to it a bit like chat gpt and um it will kind of just automatically give you um, ideas or um, suggestions as to what your next line of code could be. And it really helps with productivity. It means that you're not having to like write out boilerplate that's actually very boring um, to do. Um, and it kind of just does that for you. You can focus on the bits that you know matter uh, and making sure it works. Uh, and that's kind of what we want to do is to enable them to a- absolutely have oversight of all of this and to have the final say of whether money is, money is invested or hedging products are purchased 
or suppliers are renegotiated with, but bring this to the to the front of their their um, to their mind. It's it's a behavioural thing as well. It's it's a, in a sense empowering them with the insights that they need to know at the right time so they can make the best decisions possible. And they're not just drowned with decision paralysis and drowned with data and manual tasks uh, and moving things um, around on different spreadsheets and trying to get a hold of different pieces of data. That's what it's really about. It, it's really about enabling them to be kind of manage their treasury the best way they can.